The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, by Crossmark Services, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike Gillen. Hey, my friend. How are you doing there, brother? I'm doing well. It's great to see you again. It's great to see you. Listen, before we get started, I got a quick story. Okay. All right, now you listen, you know me well. I know that you are a man of quick stories. No, I am, and and there's certain things in my life that I, I just... You know, there's certain things I like, you know, I like certain things, but then there's certain things I love, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just talking about things I love. I know a few of those. Well, I'm just not yeah. surprised. The first one is like FSU, man. You, you, well, I love FSU, of, yeah. cor- of course, yeah. that's where I went there. But you know, the college that I was aware of before FSU, Bethune-Cookman University. That's right. You know, long family love for that Long place. family love. I was just there on campus and laid a reef <laughs> on Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune's grave, mm-hmm. you know? So like this, this is a deep... Like you can't unwind Bethune Cookman University from my right. heart. So that's a big deal. So that's right. one thing. A second thing I'm I'm really passionate about is is mental health issues. That's right. Right. And so uh, I love talking about them, and I love trying to share resources on them. And so what would I tell you? What would I tell you? What, what would you think if I said today's guest? Yeah, is a Bethune Cookman University graduate. Right. Who's a therapist. <laughs> right. Uh, bringing all those things together. It's like the perfect storm. Oh my gosh, Charlotte McAuliffe <laughs> here as our guest. Charlotte, are you there? John. Oh my gosh. Thanks for being a guest today. You're so awesome. Thanks for having me on, John. This is exciting. Well, you are a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, you know, yes. sometimes people, when I say go to therapy, they, they, they get a little offended, right? Like, oh, there's something wrong right. with me, right? Or they're like, well, I don't even know what that looks like. And so part of the reason why I want to have you on today is so people are like, no, you exist and you're super nice. And <laughs> if someone had a problem, they could come, they could come see you and you can help them with that. Correct. Absolutely. We'll be happy to. And I, I, yes. I follow you on Facebook and I, I often see things on there that are just such great wisdom. Like you just talk about different things and you know, you did a post recently where you talked about uh, this. I'm going to read this out loud. This is what she posted. You are allowed to block, unfollow, unfollow, or unfriend people at your leisure. It's okay if right. you don't want to see them or allow them to see, watch you. There are no Facebook friend rules. Do what's best for you. Do it. I almost commented and saying, I totally agree with this, but Charlotte, don't you ever block me. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't block you. Not at all. No, so, I wouldn't block you at all. But that's a true post. You know, when you think about our world today with Facebook, you know, it's almost like the go-to for news, for catching up with people, just, you know, mindless scrolling or entertainment. And there are certain things on there that do trigger us, or there are some relationships that we once had. We no longer have those relationships. They end it for one, you know, for different reasons. So there are no rules when it comes to Facebook friends. You are allowed to block people or unfriend someone or take a break from them, especially if they cause, you know, any type of trigger for you or it's upsetting to see the things that they're posting. And some people weaponize social media to send out subliminal messages and do different things. Or some people just sit there and do 
negative things with their uh, Facebook walls. So if it is a place of contention for you or a place that doesn't put you in a good mind space, block them. Yeah. Unfriend them. It's well, great. It's okay. Well, yeah, it's funny is one of the things you inspired me with that post is that there's somebody that I'm connected to and they, I trigger them. Like I'm not trying to, but I've had more than one time. They get really mad at me and I can't talk them off the wall. Like I, I don't know what kind of trauma or whatever. And uh-huh. I, I just, I unfriended them because I thought, you know what, oh. that whatever I'm doing is making them unhappy and I can't change me. And so let's just yeah. separate here. It's not a, that big of a deal. And so it was inspirational. Um, Absolutely, John. And sometimes people just can't tolerate us showing up as who we are. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. So unfollow, block, take a break. You know, I had somebody say to me one time, they said, John, you know, you're kind of over the top, you know, with things. And some people don't like that. And I, and I, and I said, well, maybe we should just not be friends. Like, I mean, you know, look, I talk about HBCUs all the time, you know, okay, yeah. this is who, this is part of who I am. I'm not going to stop being me, you know, like, like, right. so I get that. So <laughs> let me move over. Cause there's a topic I want to hit today. Cause I want to get your insight. Okay. I want to talk about uh, narcissism. That's what I want to talk about yeah. with you. I want your thoughts on that. And, yeah. and here's how this came yeah. up. I have a buddy of mine and uh, we walk together once a week and we just talk about being dads and work and life and stuff like that. And both of us separately, uh, people accused us of being narcissists. We got called narcissists. And so we both went to this deep dive of like, well, am I a narcissist? And so when I started researching it just on my own, like one of the things that talked about is narcissists are into grandiosity. And I was like, oh, right. well, I can see, you know, I do a lot of public stuff and I could see how somebody would say, oh, well, John's in the public eye. He's a narcissist. And I'm like, oh, I, I can kind of see where somebody gets to that space. On the other hand, right. um, I, I do feel like I take criticism and I'm coachable. Mike coaches me all the time. I mean, he can attest to that. He, he'll say, John, don't, you know, whatever. And so I've concluded, I'm like, I, I don't think I'm a narcissist. And at the same time, like that is a thing. So can you just yeah. help us unpack what is narcissism? And then the second part is how do we deal with narcissists? So, John, I think it's a relevant topic right now because I think a lot of us um, in the world today, we're using, you know, the word narcissist or narcissistic personality disorder. We're using words like gaslighting. We're all using that a lot. And oftentimes I'm hearing people use the word narcissist or someone's gaslighting them. Um when it comes to relationships and there's something that happens in the relationship where there's a breakdown or a disagreement or a person is difficult to deal with, I'm noticing that people are just saying, oh, you're a narcissist, you know, or you're just a person that's selfish. And that isn't the only trait of a narcissist, you know, Um, but a narcissist, narcissist is a personality disorder. It's not just a trait. It's not just something that we call people when we're upset or when we're just having a hard time dealing with them or we have low tolerance for them. So the DSM-5, which is like the Bible, the clinical Bible that we use to diagnose people, and it just basically, in layman's terms, it's just a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, need for admiration, a lack of empathy, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. So when we talk about narcissists, narcissists, they do not have empathy. They do not have the ability to have empathy. So what it looks like in relationships, 
is they can mirror exactly what you're doing in the relationship, but they don't have the ability to um, initiate those things around empathy. They're also another trait of a narcissist is someone who's in competition with the world. So they're in competition with their children, in competition with their parents, in competition with their employees, with their coworkers, with their supervisors, with their managers, with their teachers. They're just in competition with everyone. And they're also very, 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 very charming. However, the charm that they have is for their gain. So everything that a narcissist do is for themselves. That's why a lot of times you hear people say, oh, because you're so selfish, you're a narcissist. But with a narcissist, they do not have the ability to get into a relationship and think of the other person's feelings or to make the other person's feelings priority or to be able to see things from the other person's perspective. It's only their perspective. It's only what they want and their motivation behind connecting with people is for their own gain. Okay, so I've got a lot of questions. Is that okay? <laughs> is that all right? And you can bill me. This could be a therapy session, okay? We can just do this right now. Right. Um, so the first thing, when you talk about the lack of empathy, now, again, mm-hmm. sometimes when we talk about words and like, you're so good, like defining narcissism, because just like some, if somebody just takes care of themselves, they're practicing self-care, that's not narcissism, right? And so I had somebody say to me, I heard this one person say this expression more than once. They said to me, um, I don't have the gift of mercy. And they were mm. basically, I think, trying to say that like mercy is a spiritual gift, like I don't have the gift of preaching or I don't have the gift of teaching. I don't have the gift of mercy. Ergo, I just don't spiritually do that. And when I first right. heard that, I thought that doesn't seem right. And then later on, yeah. when I kind of just went through my head, I'm like, no, that's like the sin of a lack of empathy. Like as, as a Christian person, yeah. Christ calls us to cry yeah. with those who cry. Like, so if a human being absolutely just cannot think of other people's feelings, that that right. that's a problem, and it's a psychological problem. A, is that is that correct? Yeah, that that's a major problem because the the connection, you know, we're all created for connection, John. So where will there be a genuine connection? Where will there there be the ability to have compromise and vulnerability, which is needed for a healthy relationship? Where is there the level of tolerance or communication or that language around? Okay, you know. I'm willing to change or I understand that hurts you when I do that. But if you're in a relationship with someone and they explain this hurts or this doesn't feel good or this behavior that you're doing, it causes me to feel this way and you don't have the ability to change or the desire to change, that's going to be an extremely toxic relationship. There's going to always be breakdown and fractures in that relationship. Well, and and if the parent is the narcissist, right, they're not able to have empathy for the child, that's even more serious, right? Absolutely. And usually how it looks with parents is the same thing that I was saying earlier is just no empathy. You know, there's no priority. The parents uh, show up a lot of times like um, a parent that abandons their child or neglect their child, um, possibly knowing that the child needs this, but just don't have that ability or that desire to make sure that the child's needs are being met. You know, so a lot of times the way it shows up for adults, if they grew up with a narcissistic parent, they're usually the ones in the relationship that can be 
very needy. It can go either way. They can be extremely needy, emotionally needy in the relationship. They can have a lot of challenges around emotional regulation when there are differences uh, or um, when there is disagreements in the relationship. It can also show up as being an avoidant where you just don't open up your emotions. You're just not emotionally available. Gotcha. Well, listen, um, I want us to take a quick break and then come back. And we're going to talk, keep talking about the subject of narcissism because I then want to talk about uh, working with narcissists. Oh, Mike Gillen's going to like, well, I, I do it every day. Yeah. You No, know, Mike, I'm not, I'm not a narcissist, Mike. I just look like one. Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back here at the Crossman Conversation. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally to serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. Once again, here is John Crossman. This is John Crossman. Welcome back to the Crossman Conversation with my friend, Sherlette, BCU grad, therapist, and so Yay. smart. So thanks for being on here. We're talking about narcissists and narcissism. And one of the things, Sherlette, that I think about is in business, you can uh-huh. do business with a narcissist. Um, when I was right. young, I think some of my clients were narcissists and they were actually really easy to work with because as long as you treat them like the man, they love you. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're terrible business partners. They're the worst business right. partners, but as clients, you can work with them. So to me, it's Absolutely. like, you know, you can make that. So is that, do, do you think that's true? 
Well, I definitely feel that it's true because remember, it's a personality disorder. And I think when we're in partnership or we're doing business with people, one of the main things that we do is manage personalities. Mm. So being able to manage that personality of giving them exactly what they want, feeding it to, you know, that level of grandiosity that a narcissist have, and they do not like to be in disagreement. They want everyone to say, okay, you're doing well. A lot of praise, a lot of understanding, you know, a lot of, oh, aha, you are the person. Oh, yes. You know, so managing that personality is easy to do, but when you're in business with the narcissist, that's where there's a lot of friction because the moment you have disagreements or the moment you give a little pushback, it's almost like a shutdown or it's an all full-fledged rage, you know? Yep, yep. <laughs> so that's a little more difficult. Well, it's funny. I, I knew a guy, and Mike's heard me say this story before, that he, he said regarding an employee, he goes, so-and-so is my favorite employee because they do exactly what I tell them to do. And I Mm -hmm. thought to myself, like, well, that's one way to manage, right? Like, that's one way. Like, if that's what you're wanting, I want people on my team that tell the truth. I want them to take initiative. And so, you know, I'm I'm more about developing leaders. And so that's also can be true in a parenting issue. Like, if you want children that become adults and their whole life to just obey your orders, you're going to end up with adult children, right? Like, it may make you happy, but they're not going to be happy. Is that correct? Right. Right. Well, and then the relationship. You do want your children, you know, to follow what you ask them to do or what you tell them to do because it's coming from a place of I want to steer you in the right direction. I don't want you to go into these pitfalls that I've experienced or I don't want you to make some of the same mistakes that I've made. So when it's coming from that type of motivation, that's totally different from a narcissistic personality disorder person because the goal for a narcissistic person is do as I say, because I say it, because it does me well, not it only does you well. They don't, it's it's not from a place of I'm doing this because you need it, or this makes you a better person. Their motivation in relationships is because this makes me a better person. This makes me look better. This makes me the bigger person in the relationship. I look grand in the relationship and everyone else looks small. So mm-hmm. it goes back to that motive. I uh, I heard a CEO guy that would use this expression all the time. He would say, um, if something bad happens, I want it to happen on my watch. And like you hear that and you're like, well, gosh, that's really admirable. The problem is, is that nothing bad ever happened, meaning like he never acknowledged anything being wrong, meaning what really was going on there, he never gave up any control. Right. And so the uh-huh. company never developed leaders because he, his his hands were ironclad on the steering wheel and not letting else Ooh. in the room. Right. Yeah. And so right. so I guess in the business setting, like I say, if you see them as a, a client or in some relationship, you can make it work. You just can't partner with them. But let's move back over into, you know, what if you you know, what if you're 25 years old and you've been through some therapy and you realize, oh, my gosh, my parent is a narcissist is is there a way to maintain that relationship long-term or do you really have to have some significant separation? So it depends on um, how that parent shows up and it depends on what works for you. I would say for a blanket statement or a blanket intervention when you're dealing with a narcissistic parent is to definitely have boundaries. And we use that word a lot now, but 
boundaries are those rules of engagement of how you want to show up in a relationship and how you want the other person to show up in the relationship for you. So establishing those boundaries ahead of time and how do you know when you need to set that boundary is if there is a pattern in your relationship with your parent where you're constantly being triggered or you just can't regulate around them emotionally or there are just things that just keep coming up and you're having that feeling of, oh, God, or that feeling of dread, That those are indicators that it's time to set that boundary. And that boundary can look like, hey, I don't visit my mom or dad in person. I call them on the phone. And when I do call on the phone, I only stay on the phone 10, 15 minutes, do a check-in, and move uh, forward. You know, it could be I don't have any contact with my parents because of, this, this, you know, different situations, but setting those boundaries and being okay setting those boundaries, because that's a part of self-care and self-compassion for you. That is, that is so great. And I, I find what you're saying really inspiring because really it, it encouraged me that if you find yourself in a situation, it doesn't mean you have to like burn the relationship to the ground. You can, you can make some steps and maybe if you set some boundaries, maybe they will respect it. And, and so you can try mm-hmm. that, right? Does that make sense? Right. You know, but you know, John, the thing is, when we have when we set these boundaries, they're really for us, you know, to help us stay emotionally healthy. And sometimes parents they won't respect those boundaries, and they will push back, and they won't accept your boundaries. And it's okay, you know, when they do that. It doesn't mean that you've done something bad or you should drop the boundary. It's just enforcing it, continuing being consistent with your boundary. I, this really happened to me, Charlotte. I'm. I'm in relationship in, in somebody and the person, this one person was apparently had a lot of issues with me. I didn't know this. And so the other person comes oh. to me and they were like, Hey, they're really in competition with you. You need to just stop being so out there. Like you need to stop being, essentially stop being so successful so that you can have well, a relationship. Stop being yourself. Yeah. And that's what I said back. I'm like, I, I can't stop being, I'm so sorry. Like now, Again, I think there's good self-reflection, like, okay, what am I posting? Why am I posting it? And of course, I have my own wounds. I do have wounds and junk and drama, so there are things that I need to deal with, right? Um, At the same time, like, you know, I I don't need to over-course correct based on somebody else's feelings. And and the other thing, too, is, and this is something I've learned a long time ago when I started on the journey of of, of going to, to counseling, is that, you know, if I get focused on getting myself healthy, and then the other person I really want to be in a relationship with, they get healthier, I'm ready for them. If they never right. get healthier, I'm still healthy. And so making right. that choice to focus on meeting with you and other therapists mm-hmm. like you, it makes you a better person so you can love and have better capacity to care for others. Is, is that correct? Absolutely. I, I can't agree more, John. I think when we become more healthier emotionally and mentally, it builds up our tolerance for things that we normally don't like or haven't considered if we have tolerance for. We understand if I become triggered, okay, these are the things that I do when I'm triggered versus making the other person feel or projecting my feelings on someone else. I can take ownership for how I feel, and this is what I do when I'm in this situation. That's the goal for most of us, to be able to be emotionally regulated, to have emotional intelligence and all of the relationships that we have, not to show up perfect, but to just show up in the most healthiest way that we can. So one last question before I wrap up, uh, the holidays are approaching. Okay. And yeah. for a lot of people, that's a super stressful time. You know, you got, you know, music and smells and sights and sounds, this kind of stuff. Now, 
the way I plan on dealing with the holidays is just eating 4,000 calories a day. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> now, but what would you tell us to do to help us get ready for the holidays to deal with them in, in the most healthy way? What does it look like? So in this time, which is a good point, John, in this time, usually when the seasons change, we have this diagnosis we call seasonal affective disorder where moods change, you know, the sun is not out every day, and sometimes it can make people feel gloomy or just dread the day um, because it's so uh, gloomy outside or the overcast. And then when we think about the holidays, some of us are going through grieving processes. We've lost children, parents, or people that are very close to us. So the holidays are not so joyful for Mm -hmm. a number of people. Um, And it could be a number of reasons. People going through divorce, just things have changed for them going into the holidays or their holidays don't look like traditional holidays. So being prepared, getting prepared now in October, preparing what you're going to do, planning those holidays out, preparing to be with people that you love or people that fill you up and not being alone, not allowing yourself to isolate during these times because isolation also breeds depression and anxiety as well, you know, and all those things are treatable, but if you can avoid it by connecting with people that fill your cup or fill you up or things that are joyful for you, I think now is the time to start planning those holidays and not allow them to just come upon us and turn when we turn around like, oh, the holiday is here, but knowing that now, and I think Sessions like this, John, are really, really good so that we can bring this awareness to people's consciousness so that they can start thinking about the holidays and what I'm going to do for the holidays, you know, with this loss or with this change. What am I going to do for the holidays? So planning it out. um, Also, a lot of self-care and a lot of self-compassion. It's okay if you are sad or the holidays are not a joyful time for you, but you don't have to sit in that sadness. You know, if you're feeling really sad, you can watch my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. I know people debate this, but it is a great Christmas movie. Um, you know, it's right. funny when I hear you say that, I um, I do this little trip every year to Disney Springs with my daughters, and there's a lot of nostalgia too, and we buy their mom Christmas gifts and stuff like that. And so we do that every year. I'm so excited about it. And there are other aspects of Christmas that are hard for me. And sometimes there's things that yeah. it's good for me to do but it's hard for Mm -hmm. me to do. And so I think that if I create more capacity for myself, like I think that sometimes we think, you know, we just need to give, 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 give. Well, Jesus went on vacations, right? Jesus, you know, took days off. It's like, and so if we can create space to take care of ourselves, then we can be more present for others. And you don't have to, you don't have to go to every Christmas performance, you know? No, you can, you can miss some. It's not required. You can skip some if you need to, you know? So, um, Charlotte, thank you so much. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your work. Thank you for, I would call it ministry and, and the life that you're thank providing you, our, our society. Truly, uh, I have, a, I have a lots of friends on Facebook and the person I think has the most consistent wisdom of anybody I'm connected to is you. So please keep thank doing you, what you're John. doing. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And thanks so much for your support too. Well, I really appreciate it. You know, I try to be public and let people know that I've, I've been through clinical depression. I've been under the treatment of a yeah. psychiatrist. I've taken Zoloft and Klonopin, and I've been to dark yeah. places, right? And I've lost friends yeah. to suicide. And I try through my transparency to say, hey, I'm talking about this. And if you get in a dark place, find a place to talk to somebody about it, right? So that's, that's yeah. hopefully what we're doing. So, 
Um, Charlotte, thank you so much. Um, we appreciate you being Thanks. on the show. You're awesome. And thank you. Thank you for being on the Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU, especially Bethune Cookman. Go Wildcats. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.